it's an odd notion to eat rec- recklessly for, for speed. And then you need a, a few years on the circuit to feel like, okay, now I get it. I could use this technique to increase my oyster numbers, economy of motion. You study other, what other eaters do. And there is a science to it. To celebrate the 4th of July, we're revisiting a story from Meat and 3, episode 32, about speed eating competitions. I'm your host for this week's special episode, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Meat and 3. Meat and 3. Meat and 3. One meat, three sides. Food, news, and storytelling. A square meal for your ears. Meat and 3. In the United States, legend has it that the first recorded eating competition dates back to Independence Day in 1916. Four new immigrants were competing to eat as many hot dogs as quickly as possible to show off their newfound patriotism. While the record in 1916 was 13 hot dogs in 10 minutes, the modern record for the Nathan's 4th of July hot dog eating contest is 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And if you're wondering how this is even humanly possible, you are not alone. So today, we're getting into the science of competitive eating, talking to competitors and doctors to figure out how some people's stomachs can handle these extremes. For anyone listening who might be squeamish, things in this story get a little intense. You've been warned. When you see men and women compete to eat unbelievable amounts of food in shockingly little time, a number of things go through your head. First of all, what is happening inside of them? Surprisingly, there hasn't been a lot of research that has specifically looked at speed eating. We caught up with one of the few scientists who has. My name is David Metz. I'm a gastroenterologist at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. In 2007, Dr. Metz and a team of researchers led an unusual experiment, a simulated hot dog eating contest. While a competitive eater and a regular individual ate as many hot dogs as they could, the team used x-rays to compare what was happening inside their stomachs. So looking at the speed eaters, the idea was, well, they're going to have the reverse sort of situation. They're going to have a stomach that didn't expand to the size of, you know, Texas just to get all these hot dogs in. But it hadn't ever really been proven. And and as expected, the, the normal individual, I think, had about eight hot dogs and was ready to burst. The speed eater, I think, got into the 30s had an enormous, wide, big, open stomach sack that just had all these hot dogs sitting there, and he didn't feel any discomfort. In fact, was willing to go on, but we stopped him because once we made it clear what was going on, we didn't need to do any, any further testing. After someone eats 30 hot dogs, where does all that food go? So what we ultimately uh, proposed is that in a normal individual, when you eat, the top part of your stomach relaxes to accept the meal. And then you start spilling over portions of that meal into the bottom part of the stomach, which acts as a grinder. So the speed eater has this remarkable ability to relax the top of the stomach. It's called fundal relaxation. Um, And they have this ability to relax the fundus of the stomach and to accommodate massive amounts of food that they then can spill over slowly to digest over the next long period of time. Dr. Met says that a normal stomach empties into the small intestine in about four hours. But for speed eaters, this takes much longer. In the study, the researchers described the stomach 
as a, quote, massive fluid-filled sack. So I think of the speed eater as sort of like the lion on the savannah or the crocodile that doesn't eat very often. And so when they do get some prey, they gorge themselves as much as they can. Still, I was curious about how it actually feels to eat that many hot dogs. So I turned to someone with some firsthand experience. My name is Takeru Kobayashi. I'm from Nagano, Japan, and I am a competitor. Kobayashi is a legendary figure in the world of competitive eating. He arrived in the U.S. in 2001 as a lightweight 20-something and started shattering records for eating tacos, Twinkies, and yes, hot dogs. Although he no longer takes part in Nathan's, he still competes independently. He joined us with his friend, assistant, and translator, Maggie. I feel so exhausted. And I feel short of breath. Short of breath? Short of breath. Uh, be, uh, because of my stomach. So, this is crazy, but when his stomach expands so much, you know, after he's eaten 69 hot dogs, his stomach expands so much that the organs inside of your body actually, I mean, if you, normal people might not know this, but they move, they shift inside of your body. So the stomach expands upward, and so the lungs get pushed, and they're not able to expand when you breathe. The other thing that always happens is that because his stomach is so expanded, he can't bend his body very well. He doesn't like to bend over, or he doesn't want to sit down in a chair because his stomach is at a 90-degree angle. He will be crouching next to the table on the floor on his knees while we talk to We'll all be like at a table celebrating after it's over and he will be on his knees on the floor. Within 24 hours, his stomach is flat and then like within 48 hours, he's having a steak. This is incredible. Especially if you quickly Google search Kobayashi, you'll see the man has a six pack. Still though, I had some lingering questions. So I turned to another expert on eating contests. My name is uh, Crazy Legs Conti. I've been a major league eater for 17 years. Crazy Legs holds a few world records, including five and a half pounds of buffet food in 12 minutes. He's traveled the world, appeared on several documentaries, David Letterman, and used to co-host the show Eating Disorders on HRN. The lion or anaconda analogy is a good one. The truth is you finish an eating contest and you just crave liquid because you want to create a log flume-like uh, ride in your esophagus, through your stomach, through your lower intestine, and out. And that is what helps. More liquid digests all that food. And the notion that we um, there's sleight of hand or there's magic to it, no, it's the human process. A person simply isn't born being good at speed eating. Even if they're able to eat more than regular people, Crazy Legs and other competitors train, sometimes with more unconventional approaches. I took up yoga to be able to eat more hot dogs, which, of course, probably offends yogis everywhere. But I do, you know, alternate nostril breathing before a contest. I use a neti pot. I, I do a lot of things you're supposed to do in your normal healthful life. But I do them just so I can eat more uh, food at the competitive eating table, which seems like an oxymoron. But uh, eaters are in pretty great shape these days. This emphasis on training is a huge part of the reason why speed eating is seen as a legitimate sport by a lot of people. Back to Kobayashi and Maggie, they told me more about his personal routine. Without training, 
I am nothing like I am in confession. I trained three months prior to a serious confession. I drink a lot, lots of water to expand my stomach. By the time I'm ready, I can drink three gallons of water in 90 seconds. Kobayashi trains his stomach to expand slowly over time, so he's ready to eat mass amounts of food when the competition comes. No matter how prepared you are, though, there are risks. There are things about Kobe's bone structure in his face that has actually changed, even his throat, the muscles in his throat. They're not normal from him just moving his jaw so much as a sport, you know, like. There's additional bone that grew on his face after a certain age after he did that. And now his face has got this like really crazy bone structure. This happened all from the way he's moved his jaw over time.、Um, his throat muscles are completely different. The way it opens, the way his throat opens, even the doctor was calling him like he was like he was calling him a python because he said the way his mo- the movements in his throat moves more like a reptile than a human. <laughs> Kobayashi even developed a type of arthritis in his jaw. All this led him to really question the long-term effects of his sport, and it's something Crazy Legs thinks about too. All your internal sphincters could be loosened, which would be bad for every dinner date you go on the rest of your life. Well, the fact is, we don't do a lot of、uh, in-depth medical stuff because we tend to get treated maybe on the more、uh, sensationalized aspects of what could go wrong. So you're only competitively eating, say, 25 times a year. How does that affect your health ten years from now, twenty years from now? And we know football, the NFL, is bad for your head in the long run.、Um, is competitive eating bad for your stomach?、Uh, my enteric brain, the gut, says that no, it's not, because you can go back and become a casual diner. Back to the medical perspective, Doctor Metz doesn't necessarily agree that digestion can return to normal, and although he's keen to talk about potential short-term risks. He also sees the gap in research and the need to study the impact of competitive eating over a much longer time. The danger of stretching up the stomach to a, a level that it, you you cannot tolerate. There is a potential risk for rupture. There is a potential risk for rupture of the esophagus as well.、Uh, nausea and vomiting is certainly not fun and can be you know can also have its other、uh, problems like tearing the lining of the esophagus. And so we don't know if 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 overeating r- repetitively for many many years could certainly lead to some kind of problem with gastric motility and emptying and coordination. So it sounds like it's a fun thing, and I think it is, and it, the people enjoy it. But I would just be wary to not try it at home and to realize that there are potential risks. Once you understand more about the science of competitive eating, and realize just how it's humanly possible, it's time for the next. Bigger question: Just because they can eat so much, should they? Man was designed to want to eat and have hunger all the time, and all the hormones in our stomach and pancreas and small bowel actually drive us to eat. While there's a limitation on food, that's fine. But if food is abundant, you end up with the negative outcome, which is obesity. I think it's important for people to realize that.、Uh, Putting speed eaters on a pedestal as as great sports people may not really be the appropriate thing to do because we certainly don't want to foster overeating because the downside is that obesity is a major epidemic 
and has tremendously uh, significant negative uh, outcomes for people who are putting on weight at an enormous rate. Obesity is a growing problem across the world. And the U.S. is often made into an example of a nation struggling with a high proportion of obese and overweight individuals. So holding eating competitions to celebrate America's independence on July 4th is an interesting contrast, to say the least. But speed eating has changed in recent years, and that's due in large part to Kobayashi. When I first came to the U.S. and uh, competing in the Hatta competition, I thought uh, competitive eating in the U.S. is kind of different from one in Japan. How? Well, first of all, uh, many competitors who are so big. Right, huge in size. Huge, yeah. Right, right. But in, in Japan, uh, not many people are, are, are A lot big. of people are small like you, mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought... Uh, the competitors in the U.S. treated competitive eating as an extension, not overeating. Oh, I see. In Japan, it was more like the science to being able to understand how to expand your stomach, the flexibility of your stomach, so that you could eat more only for a competition, in competition time. It was never, the culture or the idea of competitive eating was never to gargantuously eat or to consume more than you should on a normal basis. Kobayashi helped shift competitive eating in the U.S. Gone were the days of simply eating vast amounts of food. In was a more mindful approach, involving skills and training. I believe understanding how the body works and treating it with great care as a daily lifestyle. It's key to being a better competitor as well as being healthy. People will always have opinions without understanding. And I try not to pay attention to those people. I don't separate overconsumption nor do overconsume in my daily life. It is a sport that I take part in a couple times, times a year. At its core, competitive eating is PR. The contests put a spotlight on different types of foods, sponsors, and make a point to travel to communities across the USA. Here's Crazy Legs once more. Even though we do mash and masticate and it does look gross and it causes a visceral reaction, the fact remains the food sponsor is doing this to to gain attention and hopeful casual diners to their food stuff. We also are involved in a lot of Altruism, uh, Nathan's Hot Dogs pairs with the Food Bank of New York, gives 100,000 hot dogs each year on July 4th. Uh, A lot of contests have that built in. Those things are great because it makes you feel like a real pro athlete and you're doing something nice and constructive. Whether you see competitive eating as a contentious contest, flashy marketing scheme, or as a sporting event, the spectacle offers plenty of food for thought. They're evil, the evil of the universe. <laughs> they cause all these problems. World hunger, obesity. Now, I have had people protest, and I'm always happy to have a dialogue. But I don't see uh, too much of the evil in competitive eating. Um, I see the plate they put in front of me, and then maybe um, the enjoyment of the crowd. For more from the world of competitive eating, a new documentary released July 2nd called The Good, the Bad, the Hungry on ESPN 
features both Crazy Legs and Kobayashi. And if you want to learn more about the world of gastroenterology, check out Dr. Meds on PubMed. It's my 15 minutes of fame. I can't believe all the papers I've published, this is the one people are most interested in. There's got to be a reason why that's the case. But I'm definitely, if somebody jostles me on the L train back, I'm calling them a large sack of fluid. That'll <laughs> definitely be my go-to result <laughs> yeah. the rest of the day. That's our show. Thanks for listening and hope you have a happy Independence Day. Special thanks to Pauline Munch for reporting this story. Meet in Three is produced by Hannah Forden, Kat Johnson, Liza Hamm, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet in Three is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. HRN is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need support from listeners like you to make our programs possible. Please consider becoming a member today by visiting heritageradionetwork.org slash donate.